is the bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Ah, it's Monday. Monday edition of the bullpen, 1027 ESPN. He's Brandon Elkins. Yeah, that's me. Hi. I'm, I'm Patrick Osborne. How are you? Here to talk sports with you for the next hour on this Monday. we got a lot to get to. I'm thankful. But first... I got to get to every week. Got to get to this. How was your weekend, my oh, friend? Oh, wow. Thank you. I had a great weekend. Yeah. Uh, got got together with some friends. Had a game night on Saturday. Don't right. really see that too often. I haven't done that in a while. Nice. We had a black. We, we played two games in like four hours. Uh, one was called Code Word, which is pretty cool. I'd never played that before. All right. Um, is that like a board game? It was like a Card match game. It's like a match game. You uh, you have all these words on the on the table. They're all cards, right? Yeah. And then two people are telling you uh, clues. You get one clue, and uh, and then your whole team has to figure out which word they're talking about with that one basic clue, one vague clue. It was fun. It was cool. Sounds yeah. like a good night. Yeah, it was fun. Sounds like good, clean fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Staying out of trouble. Yeah, we uh, we're old, man. We are old. We are old, and we we finished the night like 12 o'clock on the dot, maybe a little bit after, after getting there around like 8. You know, you can't start that late. I'm I'm, I'm Well, if if it makes you feel any better, my whole Saturday was a wash. Oh, no. Because I went out with a couple of buddies I hadn't seen in a long time, and uh, I I, uh, paid the price. All all of Saturday. Yeah. All of Saturday. That's why. uh, So, you know, know, you talk about getting old. That's why I don't drink anymore. That's one of the many reasons why I don't drink anymore. It's not like the good old days. I have nothing against people who drink. More power to you. Go get sloshed if you want. Please don't drink and drive. Well, I mean, nobody's saying anybody got sauced. I'm, you know, I mean, just saying. You did I, I say felt you it. were paying for it the next day. Yeah, so. but you know, these days I throw my back out just punching in my code at the apartment complex. So what do I know? I woke you know? up with a sore back, and I didn't even do anything rough yesterday. I just walked around. <laughs> I helped my my girlfriend's dog and get trained early in the morning. On Sunday, and then I wake up today, and half my back hurts. Well, I think I need to change. You're anyway. rapidly approaching middle age. Nobody, my nobody cares that I need. See, to I'm flip, already there. Clearly, flip my mattress, and I'll probably feel a whole lot better. Well, on Welcome. that note, thank you for joining us. Speaking of injuries, yeah. speaking of injuries, I don't know uh, if you got to catch your uh, your Texas Longhorns and their uh, their scrimmage over the weekend. I did not. We have another injury, another notable injury to mention. Uh oh. Uh, looks like. Former elite five-star recruit, true freshman offensive tackle Kelvin Banks oh, has man. gone down. Uh, left scrimmage after coming up limping. Sounds like he, he suffered a lower body injury that's really kept him out, mostly uh, for what seemed more, more than anything like precautionary measures. Sure. Now, the good news, it sounds here like his injury is not too serious. Uh, unlike those uh, in a pre- the previous scrimmage with the uh, wide receiver Isaiah Nair, and uh, offensive lineman Junior Angelau both yes, lost. Both lost a season-injuring ACL uh, tears Oof. just one weekend before. Of course, there were a handful of other injuries as well, uh, in, uh not this, not Saturday, but the, the previous weekend. And so, you know, the Longhorns have gotten a little banged up the past couple of weeks. Yeah, but we, you know, we're encouraged by what Sark said last week. With even those guys, some of those guys will be back most likely by week one, yeah. they'll be all right. So yeah. just taking it easy now. We clear, He clearly knows what he can get out of most of his guys right now, so there's no reason to push him. Just rest him. Yeah. Let him get ready for week one. And we'll have a better idea, you know, today, sort of yeah. how everything is shaken out. I think Sark is talking right now, so he is, he we'll is, probably yeah. get that later. So we will have that for you coming up. But, uh, you know, 
good news, bad news situation here. I mean, nobody wants to see any any players go down, Longhorns or otherwise. But uh, for the amount of injuries that they've had, I think they're still pretty in pretty good shape and probably lucky with the amount that they've had. Yeah. And most of them will be okay. Just a, a couple brutal injuries, but yeah, you know, well, that's tough, especially I mean, in this heat. You know, it's hard to practice in this heat. And that's probably contributing uh, contributing factor to some of these injuries. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, you know, I, it, it, because it sounds like it's not that really that significant of an injury here. Like you said, we're very lucky. I mean, something that could have kept him out for an extended period of time oh, really yeah. could have been bad. Uh, you know, he's been impressing a lot of people all camp long, and you know, it looks like he's the you know leading in the position battle to see who'll be the starting left tackle for the regular season opener. Then they have uh, nothing more to show. Sit him, let him rest. Get it ready for week one. I agree. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we're only, what, 12 days away from the kickoff of, uh, of the season? If that, I feel like. So, uh, was looking through here, though, you know, staying on the topic of that scrimmage, and uh, Hook'em Headlines threw together a, a list of uh, a few players that it found that really shined in this second fall scrimmage. That I kind of agreed with this, so I sure. thought I would go ahead and pull it. Uh, one of them, wide receiver Casey Kane. You know, 6'3", 195-pound outside receiver, clearly showing up in camp thus far. Need that. Uh, he uh, he came up with a nice 25-yard catch on Saturday on the sidelines. Nice ball from Quinn Ewers. Apparently also looking pretty good when he uh, gets those contested 50-50 balls tossed his way. Multiple nice catches this scrimmage. Uh, very likely uh, could be in the consideration with the starting spot in the outside Dang. in the wake of the season-ending ACL tear there of uh, Isaiah Nair. Yeah, also, great. Also, uh, Jatavian Sanders, tight end. Uh, had a pretty good scrimmage as well. Uh, possibly the most t- potent tight end of the position room. Uh, that he's a former elite five-star recruit sophomore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, apparently looked like one of the most dominant players in the second fall scrimmage this past weekend. Made an impression on the staff. Uh, he's uh, proven that he's, he poses a real threat in the passing game. Makes him a real potent tight end. Uh, also shows that he can thrive as a blocking tight end when necessary as well. Heading into this year, uh, that's going to make Sark happy. I has to, has yeah. to. Oh yeah, and uh, best, you know, really coming in here with the potential to be one of the best tight ends in all the Big Twelve. Well, and it's huge because, like you said, they they had injuries at wide receiver. They need a third guy, and if they could get a third and a fourth guy, you know, to be able to take some coverage off of uh, Whittington and Worthy, that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, and especially I know Sark, who's from the land of Pete Carroll, loves those blocking tight ends. You got to do both in his system, and I guarantee uh, Sark is the same way. So if you have a, a a double threat from your tight end who can block well and catch, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah, looking pretty good. Last on this list here, uh, Edge <clears throat> Ethan Burke. He's a newcomer to watch this fall. Really wasn't expected to make much of an impact this early in the collegiate career. Former three-star Michigan Wolverine commit, true freshman edge rusher Ethan Burke. Uh, really, the Longhorns look to have found a gem in this guy. Former high school lacrosse star, Austin native, we might add as well. Nice. Um, sounds like he was a force to be reckoned with in the trenches there, though, for the second straight weekend. Also, apparently posed an immense threat to the offensive line on passing plays in the open practice back uh, on August 16th. So, everything we're hearing about this guy coming out of practice, too, he very well could have earned himself some rotational reps uh, as a change of pace pass rusher this fall as well. Added some weight. They're liking the, you know, he's bulking yeah. up. So they're liking what they're seeing from the guy. I love the sneaky three stars. I don't know if this is a, an actual saying. I don't know uh, if it's true or not. But the amount of three stars I've seen who have become NFL caliber all-stars and almost Hall of Famers is pretty ridiculous. So yeah. I love that. It's those those sleepers that, that end up yeah. doing a I mean, – well, 
because they're the just Cinderella on the cusp. Guys, you, know? you know, they got confidence, but maybe they're not quite. They hadn't quite shown what they could in high school and in preparation to go into college, and then they just shine in college, and you just you love to see it. Yeah. Uh, also uh, out there in the uh, Twitterverse and in the ether, the online ether, uh, some uh, player reaction to kind of what they're seeing out there. Uh, you know, the, as practice has been ongoing, uh, these scrimmages now. You know, obviously they're going to have to play better at the lines of scrimmage if they want to improve on over, both sides. Over the five and seven they uh, they put up on the board last year. Yeah. Offensive line and edge position still kind of a question entering the season, but one area that really appears to be making progress is the interior defensive line for your Texas Longhorns. That's huge. Three year starter Keandre Coburn recently met with the media and he gave a just glowing, gushing remarks about sophomore defensive lineman Byron Murphy. He says, I feel he's the best best defensive player we have on the team. Uh, he says all, all he did was just uh, put another year, take more coaching from Coach Davis, and literally he's a vet now. And uh, he's, you know, yeah, I mean, just, just talking him up big time here. Yeah. Also, Christian Jones, fifth-year tackle, talked to KXAN. Uh, he says the, the young offensive linemen are locked in. Uh, Jones uh, started 12 games for the Longhorns last season. He's played 35 games during his time at the 40 Acres. And uh, he was a junior. He is Junior Engelau's roommate, uh, and so uh, he'll be uh, especially important now. Uh, now that Engelau's out with the ACL, it's weird saying Byron Murphy's name because to me that is one of the best defensive backs uh, in football right now, and played at UW and mm. is now with the Arizona Cardinals and and dominating. So Byron that, Murphy that's the a good second. Name. Live up to that name, my friend. You Byron. got some shoes to fill. Byron Murphy the second. Sounds like he's doing all right. If you had to take a I guess, it's not, it's not even the same Byron Murphy because the kid's not. But interestingly enough, child he, he is he Byron Murphy the second, though. So you're yes. talking about the Byron Murphy, and we're the talking about the Byron Murphy. second Byron Murphy. Live it up, man. Live up to the name. If you had to take a wild guess, heading into as as we approach this college football season, who do you think is the most sought at? Which game would you say is the most sought after of all the games? In all of college football. In all of college football. All, all of the it. games. All I would have to say UW versus Cal. Uh, and now is that coming from a man who's just a little bit Washington <laughs> biased, or do you really think that? No, that sounds like one of the worst games of the year, right, actually. You, yeah. No, how about what about the Apple Cup? I mean, yeah. Isn't that what they call it up yeah, there? UW Apple and Cup. Washington State. Yeah. Apple okay. Cup. Just making sure I remembered that. But I, I don't think that's nobody cares about. That nobody Apple cares Cup, about no. that beyond the state of Washington. Uh, what Tell if me. I, what if I, I told think you? You know the answer. What, I want to hear it. What if I told you it was Alabama, Texas? I would believe you. I would too. I would believe uh, everything about that. Week two at DKR Memorial Stadium, Longhorns taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's going to be packed uh, with an 11 a.m. kickoff, and according to sales through StubHub. It is the most sought-after game in the nation. I'm still annoyed by that. Followed by uh, Alabama's game on October 8th against Texas A&M. Uh, and and uh, then Notre Dame versus Ohio State after that. That's a 9 o'clock in the morning game for the West Coast who will want to watch that game. I just I don't understand. I used to watch, when I was growing up, the primetime game was at night. Under the lights. Now, I do remember that. Everybody, you know, got all day to prepare. You know, there's like... Rides and it was like a it was like a festival or a carnival pregame. It was the whole shebang. And now eleven a.m. Why? Just it doesn't make sense. I don't get why they're doing this all of a sudden. Now, the Longhorns are also the third most in-demand college football team overall, behind Ohio State, number two, and Alabama. No, you can't get these Alabama guys to go away. Yeah, they're, they're at the top of every single list. 
Look, including yeah. the most sought after football team. You know what helps that? Beat them. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, Aggies, in case uh, we have any uh, Aggies Ooh. out there. Yeah, I know. The uh, <laughs> number five overall. So uh, Longhorns, number three overall. Number five, Look, most sought I after Aggies. So take that, College Station. I can't wait for the rematch of Aggies and, and Alabama. That's going to be a fun game. Too. Oh, it'll be a great yeah, game. It'll be a great game. I, I mean, I, I completely understand why this it's one of the top three Absolutely. most sought-after games. Yeah. Uh, and Number I'll tell three. you, I, I, the, the Aggies have always, always been a fun team to watch. You know, even back when they weren't really the, the top dogs here in the Big 12, even if it was just that one game every year against the Longhorns, there was just something magical about, especially, you know, I don't know, you've probably never seen a ball game at Kyle Field over there. In, in, I've in never College been Station. there, no, no. I mean, but the, the the ground vibrates. Yeah, yeah you know it, it's kind of like uh, seeing a ball game up there in Seattle. You know, seeing the Seahawks play. Mm-hmm. I mean, a similar yeah, kind of deal. We caused earthquakes three times. That's, That's right. right. You set off Geiger, uh, not Geiger counters, uh, seismometers. Size, seismometers. Size, yep. mm-hmm. Thank you, Beast Mode. So looking at the the, the ten most uh, in demand games overall, we mentioned the top three. Uh, uh, so number four would be Oregon and Georgia. Boo. <laughs> number five, Michigan and Ohio State. Number six. Auburn at Alabama. Again, these Alabama guys. Number Look, seven, Clemson, Notre Dame. What? What were you going to say? Just, until you take them, you know, even out of the top ten, it's going to be Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to I mean, look, I'm not you, see, sick of hearing about you these see guys. the normal top five on this list a couple times. Yeah. Notre Dame, yeah. Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Is Clemson on there? Yeah, there he yeah. is. Yeah, right Clemson, there. Notre Dame. And Notre seven. Dame. Go figure. Yeah, at Notre Dame. All right, so number eight is West Virginia at Pittsburgh. Number nine, here's one a little closer to our home. Why? Huh? Why would that be such a sought out? West Virginia at Pittsburgh? Yeah. At Pitt? It doesn't really seem to, you know, know, get my antenna going. Like, oh, I want to watch that game. I've certainly never cared about about the Mountaineers or the Panthers. Yeah, but but, uh, it doesn't really seem like... I care. This is, this is something way because I'm, I'm assuming this is for with. like the you know the the people who don't pay too much attention to it. Like this is what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, no, this is based on StubHub uh, ticket sales from StubHub okay. this year. Ticket sales, yeah, yeah okay. ticket sales. All right. Uh, number nine on this list, one closer to our neck of the woods, Oklahoma at Nebraska. That's on September 17th. I won't ask you what time it is. No? But OU still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you over there. <laughs> Look at you taking a page from Longhorn Nation. Uh, and then run, for you. Running it out, Florida State uh, versus LSU, which also should be, be a, a, good game. a phenomenal game. But to go back to your previous uh, thing about Aggies, you know, when I was living on the West Coast, anytime I saw the Aggies, I'm not going to lie, I tuned in because of Kyle Field. And because of, yeah, I think at that time it was Johnny Manziel who kind of just, oh yeah, he just kind of, he made it interesting. You may, he kind of made you want to watch. So he made it interesting while he was playing ball in college. Yeah, and those little money signs, it's like, come on. He should have spent more fun. time honing his game and less time honing his. Well, you know what? Game. I think he's doing just fine regardless. Well, I'm sure he's doing better than I am. You know. So man, that's not saying much. I'm sorry, I chose radio for a little. Probably, yeah, we probably should have chose football. Yeah, beyond high school. Probably. Whoops. Five one two eight three four one zero two seven is the number here in the bullpen. Got to take a quick break. He's Brandon Elkins. I'm Patrick Osborne, and we will be right back. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on one zero two seven ESPN. And that is where you find yourself, the Monday edition of oh, the Bullpen happy. here on 1027 ESPN. We're That's happy it's Monday because we get to talk to y'all again. Absolutely. Get to follow up the weekend uh, Longhorn scrimmage, NFL preseason. Getting uh, close. Round We're getting the, close uh, to both. Close to rounding the final corner uh, on the My. MLB season. That uh, makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always, always makes me sad. I guess it's it's always been a nice transition into football, though. 
I guess, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, they overlap a little bit. Yeah. For me, the best part of the year is, is uh, I mean, I love October historically. It's, it's uh, you know, well, pro-season baseball. Sure. A little NHL. A little bit of everything. A little NFL. Basketball starts uh, at the end of October That's usually. Right. So. That's right. So, yeah, you know, kind of a, a smorgasbord, so we to like speak. We like October. We do. Octo- Plus, I'm a horror freak, so... I love October. Awesome. I love Halloween. Me too. Also, I, October's when I head up to Maine every year. So yeah. I take my excursion to Maine. I never dress up, though. For Halloween? Yeah. Mm. You know, that's about it. Never? Never. Uh, I mean, I used to when I was a kid, but... Because, you know... I don't know. I kind of grew out of it pretty quickly after high school. Yeah. Well, you know, like Obi-Wan said, only Sith deal in absolutes, my friend. Am I a Sith? I don't know. You don't dress up for Halloween. It's kind of evil, if you ask me. Well, I'm going to dress up as Darth Maul now. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. So shifting over now to the uh, the NFL uh, news out of the NFL today, a uh, a, a local high school grad has uh, been named the starting QB for Week One against the Cleveland Browns. That would be frankly, I am shocked late. to hear this news. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I, not, I'm, I, I'm being sarcastic. Well, but you know, because we talked about this, and we're, we're talking about Baker Mayfield, yes. uh, late Travis grad. Uh, he he, who's insisting this is not a redemption year for him, but uh, he's going to make his really? first start at quarterback uh, for the Panthers against the team that gave up on him, the Cleveland Browns. Perfect. And without their studly guy who replaced him, who Deshaun Watson, yep, who uh, ain't gonna have him. Who uh, we can get this out of the way real quick since just since you brought him up. Oh dang it! Uh, all I'm gonna say, why? And, and then Why we'll just, did I do that? Deshaun Watson has already started mandatory counseling. That's it for what? For uh, you know, tell what? us, Deshaun, why are you in counseling if you're if you did nothing wrong? Oh, I, yeah, I mean this guy's uh, this guy's not. It's not going to be easy. It, it, evaluation and counseling is meaningless if he continuously stands on his innocence, even though everybody knows <laughs> it he's makes not innocent. Zero sense. Yeah, but anyway, go back, on with your with your bad self. Back to Mayfield here. Uh, it, it, he's as of today named starter for the September 11th opener against the Cleveland Browns, uh, who, as you mentioned, moved on from the fir- uh, the uh, first pick of the 2018 draft, trading with the Texans for Deshaun Watson, uh, and Watson's not going to be playing. Does that mean Sam I'm Darnold's sorry. in the transfer portal? Uh, Sam Darnold is not in the transfer portal, uh, <laughs> but he did lose out that spot. Uh, <laughs> Look, he hasn't shown much of anything to even keep that spot. So surprised it took this long. Poor guy. Well, um, I mean, and well, you know, Mayfield's been pretty confident about it the whole time. He was asked last week during joint practices with the Patriots, you know, if he was concerned, and he's like, no, I, yeah, not not at all. Never lost confidence, even after Cleveland gave up on him. And that's nothing against Sam Darnold. That's just who Baker is and how he's always a confident. He's always going to come off as a confident guy. Very much a Lake Travis kid. And uh, <laughs> he, he's uh, Tell me, what does that mean? <laughs> I, if you, if, I know. You've already you grew up. You I, wanted, it, yeah. I, want, I thought you might be able to. You know, uh, but they're hoping to get the 2020 know. version of Mayfield. He went 11-5, and five, won a playoff game for the Browns, 26 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. Uh, He's last only as year, good as a team around him. Yeah, well, struggled last year. Six and eight record, seventeen touchdown, thirteen interceptions. Uh, also dealing with an injury to his uh, his non-starting, uh, sure. non-throwing shoulder. I should say. I'm so. rooting for him. I you know I don't have any allegiance towards either, but nor do I. Especially with how it went down in Cleveland, I'd love to see him kind of resurrect his career and especially getting get the first win with his new team against his old team. Uh, I mean, be I, pretty pretty stellar. Got to be so satisfying to yeah. get it like that. Yeah. Uh, so did you see did you see what happened uh, in the Giants game last night? I saw something that I thought was illegal to do. So it was a cut block mm-hmm. by Bengals tight end Thaddeus Moss. It resulted in a knee injury to Giants defensive end uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, early indications are that Thibodeau is going to be fine. Uh, looks like he's going to be out three weeks with an MCL sprain. ACL is intact, but this is absolutely the kind of hit or block 
that takes out ACLs, that tears ACLs, sends guys to the to the bench all season, if not longer. I don't know. I'm, this I'm, was legal, though. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It, now, I've seen people online oof. talking about, you know, uh, mistaking this with a chop block. A cut block with a chop block. Now, you know, for, there's I mean, a pretty big gray area if if that wasn't a chop block. Well, a chop block involves has got to involve two guys, right? One's got to sure. be above, above your waist while another guy comes in and uh, you know makes a delayed block at or below the knees. So what you're seeing with these these cut blocks is just a block below the waist, which is often legal, right at his knee. <clears throat> but it's long, been long recognized by the sport as, as the only way smaller guys can get bigger guys to the ground. Had been perfectly legal without many restrictions for decades, right? Then right. in recent years, the NFL started limiting the practice, and last year they eliminated blocking below the waist outside of the tackle box. Moss hit Thibodeau within the tackle box. No flag thrown. And under these rules, none, no flag should have been thrown. No fine should have been imposed. Uh, but That doesn't make sense. But, what, but, but the issue here I think a lot of people are taking is not the legality of the cut block. It's whether or not it's a clean move. Mm-hmm. Illegal or not, I, I, I may be... I, see, I don't know. You know, when you look at a guy like uh, like Deion Sanders, you know, he was he was pretty famous for those cut blocks, mm-hmm. and he was real good at them. Uh, they were they were pretty clean. But more and more often, as as the years have progressed, I've seen a lot of cut blocks that I, I would argue aren't aren't so clean. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of question out there right now as to sure. whether or not now do we need to just eliminate the cut block altogether? And I don't think we do. But you're, you 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 don't like what you saw. Well, that was bad. I mean, you saw his knee, his leg bend in a completely different direction. Yeah, from it, one guy going. You, I mean, it almost looked like he torpedoed towards his knee. Like if you're gonna do the cut block, I guess shouldn't you stay? Isn't it closer to the waist? I mean, it was pretty obvious where he was going, and it he did the job, whatever he was trying to sure, do. Sure. So I mean. Maybe there are instances in that, you know, you got like, you look at it now with uh, uh, the crown of the helmet, wherever it hits, it's usually a penalty, especially against a quarterback. Why aren't, I mean, and we're also talking about blindside blocks here. That was pretty close to that as well because sure. he wasn't looking at him. Yeah, no, they definitely was that. Right for his knee. Now, I, I would, uh, I think one of the things I take uh, probably the biggest issue with is the fact that you got guys that are tackling like that and it's preseason. Yeah. Like, this this really could have been Chill. bad. It's one thing if, if you're playing in the regular season, we probably would still be having this discussion. But yeah. the fact that it's in the preseason, you know, uh, it, it's just it, it, more questions, more scrutiny about this. And uh, I, I don't feel like the controversy is immediately going to go away no, over this. Uh, he's We're be talking f- about the NFL. It takes forever to do anything. But it's it's a technique that is becoming increasingly frowned upon by a lot of a lot of players. Uh, uh, case in point, right? Watch, put that video up to every team in the league and show them why you should not do that. Well, I'll tell you, when I saw it, I, I didn't, I didn't think the the prognosis was going to be a sprained MCL out three weeks. Yeah, I thought it was a an obliterated ACL season ender out for yeah. yeah he got season. lucky. They both got lucky. Yeah, because you know, I even whether it was intentional or not, how he did it. I I don't think he was trying to completely blow up his knee, so you know he would feel totally bad, you know, if he ended his season in the second preseason game right. or something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I I but I certainly understand the argument. I mean, if you're if you're a little guy and uh, you can't uh, you know you can you can't take a bigger guy down by conventional means. Mm-hmm. Shot block or cut, uh, yeah, cut blocks are certainly I get it. effective. You're you're right. Everybody, there is no right or wrong here. It's just 
it just it was ugly. Yeah. It was brutal. Let's uh, go to the phones here, and uh, Northside Dave is with us on this Monday. Welcome to the bullpen, my friend. Yes, love the show, guys. It what was up? longer. Thank you. We we maybe, need to maybe one day. We maybe in fact, if you want to petition, yeah, uh, Waterloo Media yeah. to to get us a second or third <laughs> or fourth hour. Give us six, man. We'll Feel be free. on all day just for you, Feel Dave. Feel free. We'll do it for you, man. Yes, hey, sir. I would listen to Brandon three PO all day. <laughs> I wear my three P- uh, my three PO shirt all the time now because of you. Thank you, Brandon three PO. All right, stay gold. Uh, you know what I I you know like I drive for a living. I'm in a truck all day, and uh, this weekend I decided to work. But what's so cool is just supposed to show you how powerful the Texas brand is. I mean, when other schools name their starting quarterbacks, nobody cares. But every sports program that I listened to, that was like at top of the use And you heard you heard that uh, the uh, Texas Alabama game is the most sought after game uh, in the United States right now, and the uh, Texas Longhorns are are the most sought after team among fans across the United States, number three in the nation behind uh, Alabama and Ohio State. So the nation agrees with you. Dave. Don't forget, right? Why should we care about a five and seven team, right? Why should we care? And yet you're right. The 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 Texas effect and the Sark effect is in full swing. We shouldn't care about a 5-17. and 17. We shouldn't have all these expectations, but we, do but we do because we have the right pieces in place. The right players came to this team, and I think it's we're, we're on the up and up. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for the call, Dave. We really appreciate it, and we in any time. Hook them, Dave. Hook them, indeed. Drive safe. Um, quick note out of the uh, Houston Texans. We don't talk a lot of Texans. Who? The, yeah, that, that other, I'm kidding. That other I'm Texas kidding. football team. Uh, the, the you know the city that formerly used to host the uh, Love You Blue. I just I, I think about it all the time. How is the Houston Texans so continuously bad for the for the amount of resources they have at their disposal in one of the biggest markets in America? Well, up until twenty awful. Up until twenty seventeen, when the Astros won the series, I would have just chalked it up to it's Houston sports. Period. And I think most Houston sports fans know what I mean by that. You got a lot of good teams, but other than up until the, I mean, other than really the Rockets mm-hmm. in the 90s, mm-hmm. I, you know, Houston teams really didn't do much. Yeah. I mean, don't forget made, that. Be, I mean, Astros made the World Series a couple times. Well, in 05, and they got swept. Didn't they? And then they, they were, okay, they made the playoffs a lot in the 90s. A ton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They were, they were very good absolutely. then. But even look back to the, you know, when the Oilers were still there and, mm-hmm. and look at the, the, their monumental collapse. Uh, in the postseason against what was it the Bills, right? Shout out to my guy Warren Moon. There you go. Love so that guy. you know, so so it was so prior to the to the twenty seventeen, I would have just said you asked that question. Well, it's Houston sports. That's just what happens in that town. Sure, well, not anymore. But I don't have an answer for you. Yeah, I, I really don't know. No more excuses Be- at this point because they've had so much potential mm-hmm. in in previous years. They've had so much opportunity. They've blown it every year. I mean, just look how well the Astros turned it around very quickly too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were. A hundred game losers, what four years in a row? Yeah, it was and now they're basically hundred game winners every year, consistently, now. and uh, arguably 
one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You can't. Argue. It's hard to argue against that. And and certainly uh, right now, storming toward another World yeah. Series berth. I mean, obviously they've got to get through the rest of the you know October first, but still, it doesn't look nevertheless, like the guys ahead of the teams ahead of them aren't much competition to the, them anymore. The Yankees are certainly on a down. They are going crazy. That's cr- I can't even believe it. But out of Houston, uh, out of the Texans camp, linebacker Tay Davis has lost his spot on the Texans roster. Didn't have to wait very long at oh, all, though, sorry, to find a Tay. new place to play. Uh, his agent, David Cantor, has announced he's already agreed to a new deal with the Raiders. Basically cut by the Texans and signed by the Raiders. I, I, I feel like this happened the same day. <laughs> Broken in the league, undrafted free agent with the Giants in 2018. Spent two years with them before moving on two seasons with the Browns, one season in Houston. Not the most stellar career. Sure. Uh, 52 tackles, two sacks over the course but of his career. He but. can still you know, sign with a team, so he's clearly got something left. Yeah. How long until you think Las Vegas is a dynasty? It, I, I really feel like a lot of players are going to want to go there when they have the opportunity. I, it, it, it's Vegas. Maybe several years, maybe. But you think one day they probably will? I think so. I think once they get Carr out of there, they get a better quarterback. But I don't know. I mean, for me, it's still hard to imagine the Raiders not playing in Oakland. It's just still weird to me. Well, uh, giddy but, up, because we may say the same thing about the A's pretty soon. Yeah. The Las Vegas A's. I hope not. Please don't move them. Please don't. Go to go to Portland if you're going to move. At least that's not much further away from San Francisco. Nobody likes Portland either. So hey, chill out. <laughs> they deserve, they need more sports teams in Portland. Uh, on to the Cowboys now where uh, rookie Cavante Turpin just flashing electric returns. Two returns uh, last night. Uh, let's see here. He is a 98-yard kick return followed by an 86-yard punt return. Uh, both for touchdowns. He proved it again. He's an absolute legitimate threat in the return game. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, his performance in the 32-18 victory over the Chargers likely solidified his spot on the 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he says he's got the heart of a lion. I think, uh, it, you know, if he can keep up that performance, I would have to agree. Especially coming from USFL, you don't really uh, expect that. Right. To make that big jump and actually, you know, make an impact. Here's a man who's hungry. Mm-hmm. And he sees the doors open and he's Absolutely. jammed his foot in it. And, and we saw that with some XFL guys, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you love it. You love to see it. That you do. Love to see it. And, uh, you know, he ha- he handled some some fairly good returns in, in the preseason debut last week. You know, two kickoffs, 47 combined yards. Uh, he returned a punt for 10 yards. He caught two passes for a combined 12 yards. Uh, but he says he wasn't really comfortable in that contest. So... Uh, he wow. got very comfortable Interesting. over the yeah. week in this past no week. And it showed. And it showed. And it showed on Mike McCarthy's face as well, uh, who had a, a very visible grin on his face. And uh, he was asked, asked about his impact uh, since uh, Turpin, uh, Turpin signed with the team and uh, seemed to be pretty thrilled. He's such an exciting young player. And, and you can see it really from day one. Obviously, he had very successful run there with the USFL, really from the first day of practice. Uh, I mean, he came in. And frankly, I was, I was really impressed the way he picked up the receiver playing the language. Uh, but you can see, you know, he's dynamic in a return game. So. Two excellent big plays obviously set the tempo. And just like anything else, the reaction of his teammates. So I think anytime you have a new player come into your program that makes an impact like that, it's it's unique. And so, you know, as for whether he's done enough to make the team. I think there's a, gr- a great chance that he'll be returning kicks against uh, Tampa Bay. So. Yeah. I mean, if he, keeps, Love if he it. keeps returning like that. I, Stay healthy, my friend. Absolutely. Stay healthy. Absolutely. You have uh, a chance here. So looking good for him. Uh, he, You know, in Sounds like it's it's going to really help out. Uh, I mean, it's a very 
His, the special teams threat he's, he's given there is, is really clarifying a very fortuitous moment for the Cowboys. Or Their shuffled roster really kind of dictates a new return plan. Uh, wide receiver C.D. Lamb, Cedric Wilson, they split punt return duties last year. Don't need them anymore. Lamb's Keep elevation. Away. Well, and he's been Far elevated away. to top receiver, so yeah. he's too valuable yeah, to risk on exactly. returns now. Uh, Wilson, obviously, he signed with Miami in free agency. Cowboys running back Tony Pollard led Dallas in kick returns last season, but his expected uh, increased role, both rushing and receiving, likely mm-hmm. will uh, correlate with a dip in returns as well. So, Cavante Turpin, uh, definitely, it sounds like the next big thing. For, I'm rooting for, for returns him. There, it it uh, you, you almost have to temper some uh, expectations a little bit because this is the preseason, and Mike McCarthy has argued that himself with other issues that have been going on with his team. But you'd like to hope and expect that he'll uh, roll this through the into the regular season. So, rooting for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, short break. Come back. We got a little bit more uh, Cowboys talk and. Some big dollar figures coming out of uh, NFL franchise valuations. Mm, I wonder who we're going to talk about. Yeah, well, we may have already <laughs> talked about them. 512-834-1027 is the number here on the bullpen. The bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. That's the breaks, right? Amen. Yeah. I do feel for you, though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, just a, not always the luckiest of fellas. Apparently. Look, you tried. You really did. It was close. Once I again, did try. But, I yeah, did try. It didn't work again. Once again, these off-air conversations probably more interesting than the on-air sometimes. Maybe. I don't know about that one. Uh, so we were talking a little <laughs> Cowboys football before we went to the break, and uh, we were talking about uh, Cavante Turpin's and uh, Turpin and his uh, just incredible uh, kick return, punt return yesterday, both for touchdowns. Can he kick? Uh, no, yeah. I really feel like they need something like that right now. They could use Still. a kicker. In fact, there was talk for a while about whether or not the Cowboys should pick up uh, former Longhorn uh, Dicker the kicker. Yeah, but not so. But I feel like they're not going to because they I probably would have so. if they yeah. wanted him to begin Definitely. with. So. Well, we'll see what happens week one, you know. But we are, uh, speaking of week one, we are moving closer and closer to it. And uh, Cowboys coach uh, Mike McCarthy was asked, kind of, you know, how he's getting his starters prepared as the regular season's creeping up. We're going to work and we're going to work them really hard. You know, we're, we're going to oh. have an install type, you know, intensity practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. That, that's and then we'll you know, we'll reassess. So I like the way we've gone these last two weeks. I, I think this you know, when you break down the reps and I mean just the quality of film that we've been able to accomplish in these three joint practices has has, has been excellent. And of course, they've been out there in Great. Oxnard, yeah. California, and uh, I'm sure he's probably itching to get home. Oh, it feels great. I mean, it's uh, it's been great to be in Southern California. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I'm a long ways from Southern California, and and we really enjoyed being here the last four days. Uh, we we had I can't say enough about the Chargers, you know, organization, you know, their their football operation. Uh, it was great to work with them at practice. Uh, so this has been an outstanding trip for us all the way around. But to a man, we're all ready to go home. I don't. Blame you. I don't know. Did you see what Dallas looked like today? The yeah. monsooning. Actually, yeah, you know, when you put it that way, <laughs> that town's underwater. The whole Metroplex is underwater yeah. right now. So maybe it's a good thing they're out there in Kelly, in the, SoCal. The entire highway was full of car crashes this morning. It was crazy. Yeah, it was kind of na- nasty. They flooded Reddit. Kind of nasty. Too. It was crazy. Um, I was doing the... Uh, Good luck up there. The, the you know talking about the weather around the state. I know we have morning. a big yeah. I know we have a big Dallas presence. So good luck out there. Yeah, everybody loves Dallas down here. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so, so we've been talking about the Cowboys. Now, as as you, me, all of you listening, we all know that the Cowboys are a very valuable team. Quote unquote, valuable. America's team. You still whether gonna, you believe that or not. Well, you really got to make an argument for that these days. Uh, but skyrocketing revenue. 
mouth-watering profitability. Oh, wow. NFL teams are now worth, on average, $4.47 billion. Yep. 28% more than just one year ago. Now, this is according to, to uh, figures, monetary data compiled by Forbes. Interesting. And the Dallas Cowboys are the very first ever franchise worth $8 billion. Sell them, Jerry. Sell them. In fact, there was a story out a couple of weeks ago that the Cowboys, I believe, are the most valuable pro sports franchise on the globe. Yeah. Like more so than Manchester United or Liverpool or Barcelona or, you know. Or Chelsea. Or Chelsea. You know, all those those Premier League soccer clubs over there across the pond. You'd expect those to be the top. I would. Yeah. So the Dallas Cowboys, though. $8 $8 billion. Um, Broncos, uh, this month, uh, they were sold $4.65 billion. Kind of a game changer for the NFL, not only because of the record dollar amount, but for these key financial metrics that Forbes has been looking at, which they're calling the enterprise value to revenue uh, multiple. So at 8.8, they say that represents a significant increase when compared to prior two sales of NFL teams. I know this is kind of complex here, but um, basically... The deal, uh, the the Broncos were bought by Walmart heir Rob Walton, right? Personal mm-hmm. uh, personal fortune, Forbes values at $58.7 billion, uh, bought along with his daughter Carrie and her husband Greg Penner. The deal was a 24% premium to the value that Forbes pegged the team at a year ago. Since average team valuations in the league up 28% this year, as I mentioned, to $4.47 billion, making it clear that the days of bargain basement multiples have ended for the NFL. Investors have come to realize the league's revenue growth, 31% over the past five years, Salary cap, 48% of the revenue, and that profitability. Uh, average operating income of $146 million last year. All that commands more respect. Um, wow. so, so when looking here, prime example, Dallas Cowboys, $8 billion. I said atop the league for the 14th consecutive year. Most valuable team in all of sports. Uh, also the first team to generate more than a billion dollars in revenue. That's thanks in large part to a, a bevy of lucrative sponsorships, 10-year, $200 million deal with Molson Coors, just as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 21, last year, they pulled more than $220 million in stadium advertising and sponsorship revenue, more than double that of any other team. Uh, but four teams, the Bears, the Bills, the, the Raiders, and the Browns, they all increased their value by uh, more than 40% this year. So uh, it's just it's amazing to see how much these, these uh, teams are worth. Uh, number, uh, I was mentioned a couple times, Cowboys worth $8 billion. Next runner-up, New England Patriots at $6.4 billion. I would not have expected them to be number two. Well, you thought they would be lower on that list? A little bit. I mean, they've had – I know Tom Brady hasn't been gone too long, but I feel Uh like, you know – look, when I went to Boston a couple times throughout the years, I would specifically ask about Tom Brady, and most of the locals did not like him, could not stand him, hated it, just would do anything to talk bad about him. So it's kind of surprised. Well, you know, maybe I guess it's not surprised. Maybe they, maybe they care more now because Tom Brady's gone. You know, it's funny. I, don't know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm arguing at, with myself right now. It's funny you mentioned Tom Brady. Uh, I, I saw this actually, the case for betting on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the bet is that Brady's going to throw more than 4,525.5 passing yards. And Julio, uh, Julio Jones is going to have more than 550 receiving yards. Maybe. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a nice number. Look, at 44 last year, Brady threw 5,316 yards, 719 pass attempts, 480, 485 completions, 43 touchdowns at 44. Look, I'm not talking about Tom Brady here. I just think, you know. Well, I'm just I, saying I, you brought him up. So I, sure. I, yeah, so that's I guess I guess when you when you talk about the valuations of teams, you think about obviously Dallas number one, and then you assume go to like the New York teams or the LA teams because that's where most of the money is. 
You don't, you don't, I just didn't expect to see New England at number two. But well, I'm not, it's not a bad thing. I, I'm not against it. You're not too far off. Though. The Giants are number four on this list at yeah. $6 billion, and then the Jets are number seven at $5.4 billion. Top 10. However, the, uh, you've got the Bears coming in at number five, $5.8 billion. The, the Washington Commanders at $5.6 billion, number six on the list. Uh, and then you've got uh, the 49ers at number eight on that list, $5.2 billion. And that kind of drops. But the, actually, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Number nine on the list. They're at five point one billion. Everything drops that'll, below that'll five billion up. from there. But yeah, yeah, that's going to go up significantly yeah. through the years. I think you're. I right. I think what this tells me is that there's no reason for teams not to spend money anymore, for them to not to go out and try and sign a big free agent. You know, because we're the small market team, we don't have a lot of money. All of you are billionaires yeah. now. Yeah. These are bi- these are billion dollar organizations. You have no excuse to you know to do the ways of the Kansas City Royals. You know. Or the Tampa Bay Rays, who have like a four million dollar payroll, it seems like every year. You can't do that in the NFL anymore. You got to spend money. You got to make your fans happy. We need more parity. Go out and go sign the big free agent. Just Couldn't do agree it. more. Couldn't agree more. You have. You can afford. It. Every team can afford it now. So get yourself there some. Be no excuses. Get yourself some steel cut oats in that backbone. Come on. Make a big deal. Make it happen. Uh, over in the diamond, there was a, a very interesting situation that happened in Triple uh, A ball last night. Uh, happened over in Sugarland by Houston at Constellation Field, which actually is. I got to go there back when they were still. It was an independent ball at the time. They were the Sugarland Skeeters. Is there a carnival in the background? No. Dang. No. I love that. Well, there might be. I can't. I mean, it was a long. It was. More than ten years ago now, about just, ten years ago I went, yeah. uh, but it was it was an amazing field, and so now they are the uh, Space Cowboys, AAA Astros AAA affiliate. They uh, put up twenty one runs. Actually, this Cowboys. was Friday night. I'm sorry, it wasn't last night, but this was Friday night. They put up twenty one runs, which is big in and of itself. Almost all of them came in one inning. They played at a staggering Jeez. seventeen runs in the sixth inning. Keep in mind, we're talking about a seven inning ball game here. Uh, but the 17 runs in the sixth inning of their 21-4 victory over the Oklahoma City Dodgers. Uh, it was a second of a doubleheader. It was tied 4-4 at the bottom of the sixth. And the Space Cowboys uh, led off with their, their DH. Uh, he led off the frame with a single. And about one hour later, the frame ended with a 17-run advantage for the Space Cowboys. <laughs> 58 minutes for one half inning. Boy, you got to be uh, frustrated if you were the fans of the Oklahoma City team. Good night. Well, get this. Whole hour, they're stuck on the field trying to get one out. I would have been so mad. Uh, so the, the Space Cowboys, they spent 20, sent 23 batters to the plate in the inning, 10 hits, 9 walks, 1 hit by pitch. Uh, the 10 hits consisted of a homer, which was a three-run a three run shot, three doubles, six singles, eight of Sugarland's nine hitters, Rage base at least twice in the frame. How crazy! Only one home run. Uh, yeah, one, one three-run shot, and then the, what? They had scored what? Fourteen yeah, other fourteen other runs. Wow! But maybe the most impressive bit here is that twelve of these seventeen runs came with two outs. <laughs> with so, two outs. That is so frustrating. <laughs> the, the Oklahoma City uh, Dodgers, they they went through four pitchers. They combined for a hundred and eight. Pitches before finally retiring this side. I'd love to see their ERAs after this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, and believe it or not, that this this was not a record. This is the, even the more baffling thing here. Well, this was not a record. Then the Astros just scored twenty plus runs recently as well. Uh did they? Yeah, I'm gonna. I gotta. I gotta figure that out. Well, I know that. I know that this was not a record for the Miners. Uh, in 1930, I know the Waco Cubs tallied a record eighteen runs in one inning against the Beaumont Exporters. 
The all-time major league record, though, 18 runs set by the Chicago White Stockings, who you now know as your Chicago Cubs. That's a name drop. their Chicago Holy Cubs. Holy moly. Modern era record of 17 runs set by the Red Sox, my Red Sox, in 1953. One, one inning. Yeah, the Astros scored 21 runs against the Diamondbacks. In a whole game, though. Yeah, okay, in a whole game. Yeah. So we're talking about single-inning scoring here. Okay. Which was... Uh, I'm just saying their affiliate also scored 20 runs recently. It's just like, you know, cool little coincidence. I hear you. I, I, I just... I, I, I've never heard of a, of a 58-minute half inning. Yikes. 58 <laughs> minutes. As, as much as we love to extend the game, we want to... We talk about extending the game of baseball. That's just... You you hate that just because of how frustrating half half that fan base feels trying to get one out and they still scored what you said twelve runs, fourteen runs in that one inning. In that, in, well, with two outs. Oh, oh uh, twelve runs. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. That's just that's crazy. Too much. Too many. Yikes. Too many. Hundred and eight pitches. Love baseball though. Hundred and eight pitches for the frame. That's why baseball's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Weird things happen every day. Uh, we got Ed. more to come here. Uh, stick with us. 512-834-1027 is the number. He's Brandon Elkins. I'm Patrick Osborne. And this is the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. Uh. Hello. Hey, did you get a chance to check out that fight Saturday night? Alexander Yusuf, Anthony Joshua, too. So I don't know uh, if you heard all the commentary that I had with you guys on that uh, on Friday, which was zero. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, man. I forgot that match, that that bout was even happening. You know, that's okay. This is one of those fights that if if you're, you know, a fan of the, of the sweet science, sure. uh, that it, it's a big fight. But I know but it ended up being a, a really good fight. Well, it was a great fight. And in fact... Uh, even better after the fact. Uh, for those of you who remember our little boxing chat on Friday, uh, we had Chewy in here who uh, predicted that uh, it was going to go uh, to uh, the cards with a split decision in favor of Alexander Usyk. I said he was going to stop Anthony Joshua in the 11th. Uh, I was wrong, and he was right. So that's exactly how it ended. Split decision uh, through 12 innings. 12 innings. 12 rounds. Love it. Or innings. Baseball. <laughs> Bring it on. Wombo uh, the whole thing. Usyk proving once again, though, that he is absolutely one of the greatest fighters on the planet right now with a gutsy victory over Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he retains three of the four heavyweight titles. Of course, the uh, fourth one, the elusive belt, still being held by the Gypsy King himself, Tyson Fury, mm-hmm. who's... Uh, did I hear rumor that he may have answered, Mr. Well, Mr. Joshua? So Usyk, uh, after his victory, came out and says he wants to fight with, with Fury. Fury. Everybody does. Came out of retirement, or he announced retirement, then came out, announced it again. But almost immediately after the fight and Usyk's comments, Fury is out there in his very... Uh, <clears throat> Fury ways. His, yes, his unique way of, of, <laughs> of delivering his words. Uh, and made it clear that he's... You want to if, put, if you want to put the pen to the paper, we'll fight. Oh boy! Bob Arum, his promoter, uh, Fury's promoter, says it doesn't sound like this is going to be a very difficult fight to make. How uh, long until he announces his retirement again? Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, but but Usyk said, I, "I'm sure Tyson's not not retired yet." Yeah. He says, "I'm convinced he wants to fight me. I want to fight him. And if I'm not fighting to Tyson Fury, I'm not." Several, fighting. I see it and I hear. Whoa. Oh, that was a uh, hello. little ESPN network. I guess they're jumping you. the gun Congratulations, on us today. ESPN. Whoa. Uh, but this We're was not a, ready yet. This was a much anticipated fight. Uh, it sends Anthony Joshua now to 24 3, 24 and 3. Uh, he was uh, up until not too long ago, up until his first fight with Andrew Ruiz, he was considered unbeatable, mm. even though, so, well, not by me. But. Fury answered 
uh, what's his name? Oleg? Oleksandr Yusik. Yusik, but he didn't answer Joshua? Well, he claimed that he could get him out of retirement? Uh, Joshua, I don't think Fury cares about Joshua anymore. I, I don't think most, <laughs> I don't care about Anthony Joshua anymore. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's made it clear. Quick. He's not, uh, he, he's, he's a sore loser. Well, and he didn't do so well in that either. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, he had a lot to say, and uh, he he's apologized for for some of those uh, those comments. But well, when you question your opponent who just beat you on how he beat you right after the match was done, I mean, come on, how much how condescending, how much of a sore loser can you be? Oh man, he must. I remember what he say. He he must have tried so hard to you know work so hard to fight me and beat me because. He beat me, and I don't know how he did it. Yeah, stupid. Uh, I mean, it, it, he, yeah, I, he's he, he's absolutely, and I think he got in his own head because he did. He had a, he had a phenomenal fight years ago with uh, 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 Vitaly. I mean, Vladimir Klitschko. Mm. And he talks absolutely about that all the phenomenal time. Phenomenal fight. Uh, who and and so that after that fight, a lot of people were looking at him. Go, all right, this guy's legit mm-hmm. because Klitschko was absolutely a legitimate champion. Uh, although tail end of his career when they fought, but nevertheless, sure. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the fight went exactly as we called it. All right, and uh, that's why we're the smartest uh, sports talk show in. Austin. But make sure you stick around. Uh, keep, stay tuned because uh, I do believe Tyson Fury is going to come out of retirement. Oh boy, I do believe it. Uh, and then uh, wrapping things up, not the best ending uh, for your Austin FC. <sighs> Man, how do you get that lazy in the box and give up the the? The winning goal, my goodness. Falling to uh, Minnesota United FC over the weekend, 2-1 at uh, Allianz Field. Uh, you know, the, the message being sent here, basically, Minnesota, they're fourth in the Western Conference standings. They got uh, eight matches remaining in the regular season. They've mm-hmm. rocketed up the table thanks to securing 23 out of a possible 30 points in the last 10 matches. Right. Uh, and the message here is this team can beat anybody. And Austin FC... Is one of the best teams out there right now. Yeah, and I, mean, I a lot they went in there a lot of expectations that they were going to come out victorious. Yeah. Did not look. I know eight games is a, is still quite a bit of time, and look, they're still they're only nine points behind LAFC. So if they win against LAFC coming up here, that cuts that in a, a pretty good chunk out, and they'll only be six back, and they're still six ahead of Dallas, yeah. which is which which is third. So they're still sitting okay. Losses like this suck, but it doesn't hurt in the long run. But look again, eight games is a long is, is a lot of game. There's still a lot of games left, and you know those those standings can go crazy with that many to go, especially with how close these three th- at least these top three teams are. So it's gonna be fun. I, I can't wait to see how they come down the stretch. I, I think I mean they're obviously gonna make the playoffs. You'd love to see them get them the supporters the supporter shield to get the top spot, but. Look, it's only year two, and we're talking about a playoff run for this team. I love it. Yeah, I, I don't think that even if Austin FC closes out the year on a, a rather lack, lackluster note, I, I don't. They're going to be all right. I don't think this is any anything. This season is nothing for them to scoff at. Exactly, they're still going to make the playoffs. They're, they're, yeah. Barring a huge implode, like explode or implosion, they're going to be fine. Yeah, and they've got a lot of great talent on that squad uh, that, that that consistently perform out there on the pitch for FC. Absolutely. For the Verde and, and Black. MVP candidate, too. Yeah, Sebastian Jerusi. Yes, sir. So, that's going to do it for us on this Monday edition of the Bullpen. Thank you for joining us this hour. We will be back tomorrow. Make sure you stick around. Paul Feinbaum coming up. Uh, and uh, Sports, sports Talk, sports talk with Ed and Vito. We'll see, you, we'll see you tomorrow.